0: Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at That's Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. So I'm Kurdish, and I'm an activist, a Kurdish rights activist as well. And I was recently in where we call Rojava, which is northern Syria. What exactly has been going on in Rojava? The Java. Rojava.
1: The Democratic Federation of Northern Syria. It is Syria.
0: a stateless democracy. There's an actual anarchist revolution happening in the Middle East of all places. The Islamic State group has emerged as, as the most powerful Jewish After all, group.
1: Kurdish groups have been Washington's weapon of choice in the fight against Islamic State. Hello and welcome. You're listening to Philosophy for Our Times, a podcast brought to you by the Institute of Arts and Ideas. This week it's our Philosophy Fest, a week of bonus content to celebrate the 100th episode of Philosophy for Our Times. Today's bonus content is an interview with Elif Sarakan. You heard from her briefly at the start there. She's a Kurdish rights activist who visited Rojava in northern Syria, the place where the Kurdish liberation movement has established a unique political system based on direct democracy, all whilst fighting so-called Islamic State. Here's Elif to tell us more. So I'm Kurdish
0: and I'm an activist, a Kurdish rights activist as well. And I was recently in where we call Rojava, which is northern Syria. So the, the Rojava revolution began in 2012. It was declared in 2012. What I think uh, is the most remarkable thing about this the revolution in Rojava is that there's an experiment of direct democracy including ecological sustainability and with women's liberation at its centre, so gender equality. And the people there, which is millions of people who are involved in this experiment, are doing this all at the same time as fighting against uh, ISIS, so the so-called Islamic State. And I feel like if that is not a remarkable display of what imagination can do when you're allowed to imagine, I don't know what is. I was just there three weeks ago, actually. And what was most remarkable to me was how people are genuinely taking this on. And for me, I always knew this, but I got to see it in practice that the idea that humans are naturally, so therefore inherently uh, competitive, that idea was in practice shattered. Actually, humans inherently cooperate And that's what we were able to see in a place where there's a war zone, which would be so easy to impose a hierarchy and authority because people are in fear for very good reason. But these people are cooperating and especially the Middle East, because it's so diverse. These systems and these communes and these structures include Kurdish people, Arabs, Assyrians, and Syriacs, God, Christians, Christians Yazidis, Armenians, God. Uh, Turkmens, Caucasians. It's incredibly diverse and it's incredibly inclusive to the point where you really see all the things that people thought the idea of capitalist modernity and therefore competition. I always knew that I didn't agree with it, but I saw it in practice that it doesn't have to exist. This isn't to romanticise it, and this isn't to say it's a complete utopia. Of course they have problems. It's not that, you know, we say or they say that, you know, we're going to live in a fairy tale where everyone's like floating through the sky, and therefore there's no there's no problems or no conflict. It's that they have the democratic, so direct democratic platform and opportunity to solve these problems amongst each other as well. And I think that's, that's also one of the most amazing things is that they, are, they, despite years of sectarian conflict, they are actually loving each other now. The analysis, and this is an analysis of uh, Abdullah Öcalan, the thinker behind this revolution, actually, I would certainly urge everyone to read his, his work. In a moment of chaos, to be able to enter the void that is created in, in chaos obviously makes constructing a system and a paradigm like this a lot easier, but it doesn't mean that without chaos it can't exist but also that doesn't mean that if we can't visibly see chaos as in like you know in the form of violence and something like for example the so called Islamic State or you know the Arab Spring it doesn't mean that there isn't chaos so you know the analysis is by him that actually capitalist modernity and where we live right now in the UK is also in chaos Brexit is a form of chaos right now because who knows where we're going with it and also the the emergence of a lot of far-right groups in Europe is also a form of chaos. Uh, The migrant crisis, the way it's been discussed and the way it's been taken on, that's also a form of chaos because anything that shows that a system is somewhat failing is the form of chaos. I think these are also opportunities to be able to bring to the forefront alternative possibilities and essentially uh, fill a void because even in our country right now, we do have a void in the UK I would say, actually, the UK is in chaos.
1: Because this nerve agent is incredibly dangerous. We need now to I unite our party you, and our country. But of course, what we now know is really worried about. The about the you is are. What yet another victim of London's riots. We because that Brexit means Attempting Brexit. But it is but almost there. And, and we're going to make a special event.
0: We've spent 30
1: It was an overwhelming sense of power. The element of Russian prison and nothing. No one would know anything different. They
0: let them go. It's part of because we have such a central centralist state, a lot of effort is put in so ordinary people don't feel. chaos because the illusion of safety is created and therefore people really welcome you know the extra surveillance and the extra so-called security measures because that's a way of coping with chaos but these people in northern Syria said we're not going to cope with chaos we're going to create an alternative and an experiment like the Roger Revolution was able to happen because it wasn't to cope or reform but completely create an alternative system with women at the forefront the more the people so the ypg the kurdish-led syrian democratic forces put themselves on the front line to defeat uh, isis and therefore liberate more areas from isis more areas and more cities more towns have uh, joined what now is called the democratic federation of northern syria so it's not actually even officially called rojava anymore because rojava literally means west in kurdish so before it was called rojava because it means the west of Uh, Kurdistan. So the Kurdish, uh, you know, typically where Kurdish people are based, um, are from. We just had the Ripple the Eighth uh, referendum in Ireland, which I think is remarkable, obviously, that that happened. But I also at the same time think we as women need to be on the forefront and not necessarily just wait for votes. You know, I don't dismiss them because the immediate result of the difference it would make in many women's lives is undeniable. However, it's not direct democracy. It's not people being able to, and especially women being able to come together and say, this is, this is the difference we want to get, or this is the alternative we want to create. But it's people who are still kind of looking up to the, the state, essentially, which is mainly male-dominated. So it's still, even it's through, even though it's through a referendum, it's still giving men the power to be able to change something that only, in, only involves women and women's bodies, so, you know, I don't, I don't dismiss the level of democracy we have in the UK and in our country, but I think it certainly is not as democratic as we can get. I would argue that the state system, you know, even though it, it is democratic to an extent, it really also is the very system that limits democracy being developed further. You know, I never liked the idea of, you know, oh, let love triumph, because I think it's really uh, co-opted in a very liberal way that doesn't serve many people. But I think that is the, that is the best display of love that I've seen between communities and societies and religions and beliefs, is that they have come together for life, to live and to live in a meaningful and beautiful way.
1: This podcast was produced and edited by me, Bridie Addison-Child, at the IAI, and the interview was conducted by George Bustin. Thanks for music by Benjamin Banger, Broke for Free, and Cellophane Sam. Don't forget that you can tweet us your questions to IAI underscore TV, and tune in tomorrow for more bonus content. Thanks for listening.